Hello everyone, welcome to Chat Shit, Get Fit. This week we tackle the beast that is, is it better to be fat but fit, or slim and sedentary? It's a pretty controversial topic and I think you'll enjoy the back and forth discussion between the three of us. We've got numerous studies to get into, but we've also got some interesting stories from Tom, including one about the Roman gladiators, and it was actually quite a surprising story. So let's get into it. Hello boys, how are we doing? Welcome back. Still alive. Right, top question everyone's going to want to know, are we wearing pants this week? Uh, yes, no top. I'm sweating my fucking ballsack off hard. Tom, you're in clothes, mate? I am wearing shorts, but I ain't wearing underwear, so I'm freeballing it this week. Two lasers too much? Well, I'm fully clothed this week, so... Gay. Looks like I'm, I'm, over, I'm overdressed this week, lads. We've all got beards going on as well, so we're already well insulated. There's no need for clothes. Moving on from the clothing situation this week, fat but fit or slim and sedentary. Now, this is a pretty controversial topic, as um, I'm sure Andy and, and Tom are going to have back and forth throughout, as they did before we even started recording the podcast, so we've got that to look forward to. But it's a topic which pops up uh, time and time again. Uh, recently, Men's Health have covered it. Uh, we go back uh, years, 2007, 2009, there was numerous articles out about it. So it's been a topic which has sort of lasted years and it's constantly talked about and that's probably because it's quite an important one to know and I'm surprised that it's still being talked about but yeah we're going to talk about it as well. So before we start then and get into the meat of the topic I think it's important we discuss the, the two different types of fat which are going to become apparent as we go into the topic and it's good for a bit of background knowledge that you know what they are. So the first one we'll talk about is subcutaneous fat. This is the one you're going to see basically so it's if you see a guy or a girl walking down the street got a bit of a piss tank, bit of, bit of extra you know flab around the, around the midline that is because they've got an excess of this subcutaneous fat, okay? And now on the flip side of that, you've got the visceral fat. Now this is the more, I'd say, dangerous fat because it's the sort of fat which increases your likelihood of getting uh, heart attacks, strokes, uh, increases your chance of getting type 2 diabetes. But this is the fat you can't really see. This is the one that surrounds your organs, so your internal fat. So if you think about it on that point of view then, as we go into is it better to be fat or fit or slim and sedentary, they're both going to have two different types of fat or a combination of both. And that's what's going to be important. Yeah, so just to clarify a bit more. Um, so with subcutaneous fat, I've, I've fucked it up already, ain't I, guys? My speech impediment has kicked off. Fuck's sake. We had this last time with uh, specificity. And I just fucking said it right on the first go as well. But yeah, going back to subcutaneous fat, it tends to be what what would what we'd call f- uh, flab, pretty much. So, you know, like uh, the bingo wins. On the bottom of your arms, on your triceps. There's me trying to be all PC of it, saying, you know, a little bit of extra, bit of weight around the midline, and then you go, yeah, bingo wing, straight out the back. Oh, so I'm, I'm going to try and be a bit more thoughtful with this, uh, and, you know, a bit more social justice, Bill. So what's what's the medical term? Dinner lady arms. Dinner lady arms. Fuck's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, if you could pinch your dinner lady arms, that tends to be subcutaneous fat, whereas visceral fat, it's it tends to be stored in the abdominal cavity, so in the stomach, and it's what—it's basically what strangles your internal organs. Happy days, yes. Just remember that as we go through the, the meat of the podcast, just remember them two types of fat as they're going to be quite important for the context of the, the rest of the pod. Right then, let's get into it then. So let's start with what is fat but fit? So what is it? When I'm, when I'm thinking of fat but fit, I'm going straight to the, to the sports side of it, and I'm thinking of strongmen, sumo wrestlers, rugby players, not so much rugby players, but I'd say especially sumo wrestlers, fuck me, those guys are, you'd say, athletes in their field, but they're fucking enormous. So what, what do you guys think of when you think of fat but fit? Yeah, 100% sumo. Um, 
I think they're even strong men to a degree. They're like they're big, but I wouldn't say you know you've 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 got you've got your strong men. They they're, they're big units, but I wouldn't say yeah they have a bit of a tank on them. But then it's not like dripping off them like a sumo wrestler. It's like when they when a sumo wrestler hits another one, it's like dropping a fucking pebble in in a pond, isn't it? You just see them ripples going everywhere. With strong men, it's still still pretty stacked stacked guys. So yeah, Tom, didn't you find something quite? Uh, it was quite an interesting piece you said, didn't you, in the group chat about sumo wrestlers and their actual health stats? What what was it you found? Yeah, so basically there was a study that was done in the seventies. So you've got to bear in mind the seventies. That was what what was that like fifty years ago now? You know, in, in case you wanted to feel old. So yeah, 1970s, height of the Vietnam War, etc. You know, music, drugs, etc. Quite a long, long, long way back. So we have to bear that in mind because by the time this study was going on, the population of Japan was very different. So what this basic this study did was it took 96 sumo wrestlers, and their average body weight was 100 kilograms, which you know is pretty significant. If you've ever touched a barbell, if you've ever touched a kettlebell, any kind of weight which goes, you know you know your kilograms, then you know that 100 kg is, you know, it's, it's pretty serious. And uh, the average age of each person was 20 years old. It was between 16 to 30 years old, I believe. And it was found that in 96 wrestlers, only five of them were found to be diabetic. So that's, you know, that's quite a small number, isn't it? That's a, that's, that's a drop in the ocean compared to, you know, 96 subjects and only five had diabetes. And when we think about sumo wrestlers, we think, you know, super heavyweight geezers and to be fair 100 kg is pretty it's not as big as what i'd think it would be when i picture a sumo wrestler yeah when you look at them you think they're fucking you'd think even more though wouldn't you the size of the fucking yeah you would you would then would would that come sorry would that come into your 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 categories as such yeah yeah so would you say a lot more are are at the 100 to 110 kilos and then you've got your your super super heavyweights that they probably die before they get to that size, most of them. So you've got to be a real champ to get there. Well, what we have to bear in mind that this was the average, the average weight in the study. So out of 96, the average was 100 kilos. We had some weighing just underneath. We had some weighing over. But yeah, you would get different weight categories. Um, and that's, that is quite interesting because I, I did have a little look at a YouTube video of a, a sumo wrestling dojo's um, typical training day. So you had like the super heavyweights in those like you know those nappy fins they wear i don't know the correct term guys i'm sorry if i offend anyone but it's like a nappy. tight nappy <laughs> so yeah if you wear a nappy um so there's these super heavyweights wearing nappies and then next to them is like the ultra light class and it's a little skinny guy in a nappy and it's, it is quite amusing to look at but yeah 100 kg is like a that's that's the average but yeah when you when you think of super heavyweights you'd think oh god just just by picturing that in your head you'd think well, they must be absolutely rife with all kinds of like diabetes, high blood pressure, etc., etc. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, f- five diabetics out of ninety-six. It's it's not as much as you'd think, is it? So why? What is the reason behind that? So why, when I, when you said it to me, Tom, the reason that I thought straight away was even though they've got large amounts of that subcutaneous fat, is what we mentioned about before. They had literally minimal uh, visceral fat. And I think that's probably the reason why there was only five diabetics yeah. because they've got such a low amount of fats around their organs. They're actually quite healthy internally, which is why we mention them as fat but fit. And that's quite an interesting thing that we've got to think about here is, so how comes you can have someone that's 
you know, morbidly obese and have loads of visceral fat and all these health, like major health risks. But then we have like a sumo wrestler who is mostly subcutaneous. It's not visceral fat. What What is driving the fat storage here? What is driving it from the bingo wins and the dinner lady arms to the abdominal cavity instead? Would you say it's the exercise and the mountain exercise that these guys are Absolutely, hitting? Absolutely, yeah. They're on a daily basis. The the Definitely. What I do want to say, though, is they do have um, a 10-year shorter lifespan span than the average uh, Japanese person. Oh, really? Is that true? Yeah, through the sport and through like like through their diet and stuff like that. So maybe not diabetes, but it, it, it's got to have an d- effect on them somewhere or another. Well, speaking of long-term, I don't want to drive... I mean, mo- moving on a little bit from sumo, is, is, is Strongman is, is one. I know Eddie Hall, for one of them, he, he even admitted that the reason he stopped was because the toll it was taking on his body eating that amount of food even though he was really active and he was a you know a top athlete he was eating so much food and the strain all the exercise put on his body it was it was not doing him any favors long term yeah i mean he pretty much documented that um so as soon as he as soon as he broke his world record and he was where he wanted to be pretty much the morning after he just like he made a drastic change to his life like in what he ate he ended um you know he ended a calorie deficit he cleaned up his eating because even like even like his dietary pattern leading up to breaking his world record, it was like, you know, pretty much not the most nutritious foods, like full English, etc. which, you know, I have no problem against that. But, but yeah, but not only that, but it's just like he made a dramatic U-turn literally the day afterwards, the day after he broke his record. It's important. So I think, we, I think we're all agreeing here that these guys are, I mean, they're athletes and that's why they've got low amounts of visceral, visceral fat is because of the amount of exercise they're doing. But the reason they've got so much subcutaneous fat is because they're eating so much and it's got to go somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, at the end of the day. yeah. But there's only so much your body can, can process. But go on, mate. But I mean, there's, it's one of those things where we've got to wonder as well here. And that is, so why, why would a sumo wrestler, you know, who are pretty large guys in general, why would they be metabolically healthier than say a strong man or a powerlifter because they're both the same kind of weight they both exercise how comes one tends to be fit than the other could it be the type of exercise they're doing i've i've heard uh, sumo wrestlers do uh, crossfit three uh, three times a week that's just just what i've heard yeah bill can you <laughs> bill God. you can correct me on that can't you i'm going to youtube right now sumo wrestler doing kips kipping do you imagine one of those fuckers trying to do a bar muscle up they take down the roof fuck that I thought my pull-up bar was fucked. I can only imagine what it looked like after a sumo wrestler doing it. But I mean, um, there is. I mean, the thing is, like, in regards to, I think it is to do with the type of training. So, okay, maybe not CrossFit, but from what I what I understand, sumo wrestlers do a fair bit of conditioning work. It's not just a simple case of you know, eat a hypercalorific calorific diet, which they do. I think uh, the average in this study was five thousand calories a day. And a thousand, they ate a thousand grams of carbohydrates, which is you know a hell of a lot of carbs to be eating. But I mean, yeah, it's to do with the type of uh, training they do. So with strongman, and let's say powerlifters as well. So powerlifting and strongman is similar, but two totally different things. Powerlifters tend to do like the the big free lifts, so the squat, bench press, yeah, a lot of sta- static, static static lifting. Yes, yeah, compared static to lifting. like your, your drags and your. Yeah, but a strongman, they tend to lift you know, quite awkward objects, but there's also a lot of movement involved as well. So, you know, they, they do have a fair bit of conditioning, strong men, but not as much as what sumo wrestlers would have. So a sumo wrestler, their typical day of training, they might wake up at 5am, go to the dojo. I mean, some of them, a lot of them even live on site. They train every day. It's not just, as I said, it's not just a case of, oh, 
eat big and just push a guy out of a circle, they generally do a lot of conditioning, a lot of core stability work as well, a lot of balance training, a lot of flexibility training as well. Yeah, just reading up here, like mobility and flexibility is big. Yeah. They're massive on it. Yeah. But I think it's a lot of it's to do with the conditioning work they do. And there is evidence to show that in regards to actually getting rid of visceral fat in particular, it's recommended that it's you know you have to do moderate to high intensity exercise. So it's not just a case of I'll I'll go for you know a very low low steady state walk, you know, a low intensity bike ride, etc. You have to be between moderate and high intensity. So yeah, I mean that's where I think it'll be different between sumo wrestlers and say strong men and then powerlifters. Because they're all kind of like super heavyweight category, or at least popular amongst super heavyweights. But it's the type of training they do that's different. So yeah, that's where the conditioning play comes into work. Whereas powerlifters and strongmen, it's more of a, a rapid quick burst of energy, and then that's it. Yeah, so moving away from the, the athletes, we'll go more to, to normal, you know, the men and women out there. What would you say to someone, let's say it's the normal Joe Bloggs, uh, pretty big guy, pretty big guy or girl, got a lot of weight on. Uh, but does quite a lot of regular exercise. So let's say they're doing a lot of quite high intensity exercise. But the reason they're still pretty fat is because they're they're in just a calorie. They're not in a calorie deficit. They're in a calorie surplus, and they can't. They don't want to change their diet. But they are exercising a lot. What what would you say about them? Do you reckon they're Do you reckon they're fit and healthy? Or well, I mean, it completely depends on the context of when we talk about fit. I mean, fit can mean various. Uh, it can have various meanings depending on where we're coming from. Are we talking about fit as in health, as in you know the heart, the lungs? Uh, preventing diseases or we talk about fit as in i can accomplish an athletic task this is what i was because i was adamant that if you were fat you were unfit and then i was reading through this this study and it, and it basically showed like three hundred thousand people they tested them and there was fuck all wrong with them even though most of them most of them were morbidly uh healthy to sorry overweight to um obese and it was and it was saying that there was there was fuck all wrong with them, and it was quite surprising really. So it changed my mind massively. Well, I mean, I've seen some pretty big guys shift pretty quick on certain running running events. I mean, I mean, I've heard them being called things like battle pigs and things like that, you know, on, on physical <laughs> work and stuff. I mean, that's quite a good quite a good nickname for them. But they've got absolute piss tanks on them. But they're they're flying around flying around the the PFA route, you know. But then it's so, then, but then you look at is it is it sports specific to what they do. You know, you get most rugby yeah. players. Um, I don't know positions and that, but I think the short fucking massive ones, they're not expected to be at the back running the ball up and down a pitch. What they're meant to do is stay pretty much where they are. And if anybody runs into them, they pretty much stay where they are, you know? So again, we're looking at the lines of job role. So would you say internally they're not fit then? Are you are you, are you trying to say that they're, that they're probably not, they've probably got high amounts of visceral fat? They've obviously got high amount of subcutaneous fat and that's because weight moves weight and their job is probably to move big players out of the way. So they need to be heavy anyway. But are you trying to say that their visceral, uh, their visceral fat levels are quite high then? Yeah. Every single, uh, every single, every single person is different, you know? Um, um, I mean, here's a, a cool little theory. There's actually a theory coming from ancient uh, Roman history that gladiators were intentionally kept fat on like a high carb diet. Uh, it was mainly oats and gruel, but they were mainly kept fat because of its protective qualities. So when a handler would purchase a gladiator, despite what the film and TV shows show us, they didn't actually want them to just be slaughtered because gladiators were fucking expensive. They were expensive commodities. You wouldn't buy like a greyhound 
and race it to death on its first race, you want to kind of nurture it and protect it. So yeah, it's a violent sport. The gladiator is going to get fucking slashed to ribbons, but that's why they kept them fat. So it was like protective quality. Yeah, that was they weren't a... cutting deep. Yeah, exactly. So it wouldn't reach the, the internal organs. So it acted as like a protective layer. You still got like the gory show, but, you know, it was a way of like protecting themselves. So in that way, you know, for their particular sport, it was it was a beneficial thing, wasn't it, being fat? So what you're saying is all fat people should now be thrown into a pit and the best one survives? <laughs> well, we do still have the Gladiators TV show. But no, we don't. It's fucking Are you saying they should now, all be fat, though, Tom? Is that what you're saying? We should, have, we should have a new TV show where all the Gladiators are fat. I'm not saying that, Bill, but if you, do, if you do get stabbed, then it might <laughs> help to be fat. Brilliant. If you don't want to get killed, if you don't want to get stabbed and dead, stabbed to death, be fat. There you go. That's a that's a health benefit right there. Uh, then, I, but then I'd like to kind of counter that offer. If you can run a sort of five minute mile, um, I think you've got a high pro, like high possibility of getting away from a stabbing. Plus, think about this, Tom. If you've got a massive piss tank, that's more that 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 is flesh closer to your enemy. If you've got, if you're skinny, you're further away, aren't you? Think well, about that. To, think, to, think of that. To count Andy's point first, if he was a real man, you wouldn't be running away. You'd be crushing them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. With the, with right, the knife, all right. With, with oh, the knife whoa. still in, with the knife still in your gut. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I must just, end you now. Yeah. Just leave it in there. Fuck it. <laughs> Fucking hell. So moving on to kind of, can you be fat with fit? I want to talk about the mental aspect as well because. Even if you're an absolute unit, let's say like fat as fuck, I'm talking huge. Even if you're doing a bit of regular exercise, surely the evidence shows that your mental health is going to improve because you're doing some sort of exercise. So you could say that they're mentally fit, even though they're fat. Would you Would you agree with that? Or? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's people that feel comfortable in their bodies despite their size, and that's fair enough. I mean, when we talk about fit as well, as I said, it's one of those things where we think, okay, are we talking about health? internal health or we thinking about fit enough so that I'm conditioned to do a certain athletic task but when we talk about fit as well we've got to consider the mental health aspect as well not just that in fact I'd say there's four categories when we talk about fitness and that is overall health so physiological health the conditioning to do something athletically mental health and then overall quality of life so what I mean by overall quality of life is say if you're to the point where you're so obese that you can't there's no other way to put it really you're so obese that you can't wipe your own bum you know yeah or you're so you're so skinny and frail that as you get older you know and you have a fall you're so weak and frail that you you badly injure yourself and you lose those protective capabilities so you know when we talk about fitness it's very subjective it depends on the context but you know due to the culture we live in when we think about fit or fitness straight away our minds go to the cover of men's health where it's a guy with like six pack abs you say that's really important because you, you're saying how we we look at people from the outside let's say you saw two people walking down the street you could look at them one guy could be a beast one guy could be shredded okay but you're not thinking about the mental problem that guy let's say he's not shredded let's say he's slim sorry not shredded ignore that so you see one guy is really fat one guy is quite slim you see him walking towards you down the street you're gonna look at the fat guy and think oh he's a mess he's not he's not fit he's not healthy but then the other guy could do no activity at all so his mental health is not is good as the fat guy who's doing the actual exercise. So he's more mentally fit than the other, which is quite it's quite complicated, isn't it? There were different types of fitness. But, but then you look at you look at men's health and it's it's an image. 
it, it, it's an image that we're all all brought up with these this day and age. To look good is to be good, and and us in the military, we know that's a big fat lie. Sometimes you can actually sacrifice your health by trying to look at what you perceive as being healthy. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I've been in the gym far too many times and seen these guys are, are fucking stacked, and I mean. Like their chest muscles have chest muscles, you know, their biceps have tiny biceps on top of them. But yet you, you go outside for a, a, a run or like obstacles or something, something that's out of the gym, that's out of a static frame. And these guys crumble. And to look good is one thing, but to, to be physically able and maybe our standards, like we're doing this podcast and we're all gym goers, we're all looking fine, looking good. Maybe our standards are too high. Maybe what we perceive as fit is 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 next level. Is actually maybe no, we're not just fit. Maybe it's more. Oh, we're looking at the athlete now, not just day to day people. Such a complicated subject, isn't it? Ground workers, you talk scaffolders, builders, people that hump and dump all day long. I couldn't do it. Shit, I tried it last week. My brother was going, "You're a fucking mess. Get a grip of your life." And I'm there going, "Oh, please." You know, and you I a lot of these, Andy. Quite... A lot of them have got piss tanks, mate. A lot of them, they're going after work. They'll have a smash down a beef pie. They'll have mm-hmm. a fucking can of Stella. Got a bit of a piss tank and a bit, a bit of extra weight around them. But they're actually, they're actually moving a lot. They're exercising quite a lot if you think about their work. So they're, they're probably quite healthy actually mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of visceral fat. Yeah, and, I mean, 100%. but subcutaneously they're a bit bigger. I would disagree with that possibly. Here we go. Go on. Yeah. Yes, so here Thomas, we go. go. The first disagreement. Now, why would I disagree with that? And that is because so far we've only correlated health with weight and physical activity so nip it in the bud we know that physical activity is a great way to improve your health not just physically but also mentally uh conditioning so yeah those builders they're they're conditioned to do the work that they can do you know but we have to take into account that when it comes to fitness in the aspect of health there are other factors that will play a big role and one of those factors could be smoking alcohol consumption even stress So, I mean, I've actually got uh, I've got some data here. So basically, I've got a paper, which was a cohort study, which was done in, for nine years. A cohort study is basically, it's a study that goes on for a fair period of time, and they routinely check in. So this one was done over nine years, as I said, and it involved f- nearly 15,000 subjects in the United States. I think you're going to be shocked by some of these numbers. So basically, it was checking on the prevalence of people's metabolic health in regards to their BMI. So we are going off of BMI here, which as we know on an individual level, which you know me and Andy was discussed before the podcast happened, BMI on an individual level is a bit shit because it doesn't take into account your muscle mass or your bone density, you know, and things like race and genetics play a big part in this. But since it's looking at 15,000 people, you know, it's, it's a good little way to kind of like collect data on like a massive mass yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I want you guys to guess this actually, but basically, so first of all, metabolic syndrome, metabolic health, it tends to come under like a, a group of diseases such as diabetes, you know, high blood pressure. So not so much diseases, but you know, various symptoms that can add up to a disease. So it's a whole collective of random symptoms that when they come together becomes metabolic disease, which is when you're in trouble when you have that. But yeah, overweight people in America. All of them. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but sorry, mate, go on. So basically, some of these uh, some of these subjects were classed as overweight. Fifty percent of them 
class as overweight, yeah? Out of 15,000 of them. Out of that 50%, what do you think? Do you think that they had metabolic syndrome or not more? Sorry, now I fucked this up. One second, my fucking computer's just <laughs> muted. One second, I have to edit that out. He's had a meltdown. Uh-oh. Fucking computer's just cl- closed, closed down. One sec. Oh. <laughs> Whilst I was talking, I was trying to quickly load it up. That's why I was stumbling. What this cohort study basically said was that over 50% of overweight people actually showed normal insulin sensitivity and blood pressure and lipid profiles. So over 50% of overweight people in this 15,000 person study were actually shown to be relatively healthy, even though 50% of them was overweight. However, and check this out, this is pretty interesting. 24% of what was considered normal weight adults, so that's a BMI of less than 25, were considered metabolically abnormal, so unhealthy. So realistically, you think about it, you think, oh, 50% of overweight people, you know, metabolically healthy, that seems like, oh, that's quite a fair amount of them are healthy. But when you think, hang on a minute, 25% of normal weight people were unhealthy, that's crazy. But they're thin, they should be healthy. Why is that? And it's, it's, there's, it's such a complicated subject and there's so many different factors at play here, which goes back to what I was saying about, you know, things like smoking, high alcohol intake, lack of physical exercise, etc. So, you know, the, the numbers are quite shocking. You can't judge a book by its cover. No, that is perfectly it. That That's the one. We live in a society now where looks are everything and... That's our problem with this day and age. If we look, if we don't like the look of it, we'll we'll shame it and say that it's bad and bad and bad. You know. Yeah, exactly. So I think we've covered fat but fit, lads. So slim and sedentary. So that's kind of that's going to tie in quite well how Tom finished up that study saying that twenty five percent were unhealthy, even though they looked slim, which is great. Yeah, they looked great, but they weren't healthy at all. And that is slim and sedentary. So sometimes it's known as skinny fat. I don't know if you've heard that topic before, lads. Skinny oh, fat yeah. Is quite un- oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I felt like I was pretty fucking skinny fat, to be honest, um, at earlier days. Got a medical term, though. So if you if you like, the, if you want to go really geeky, uh, it's called sarcopenic obesity. So that's what it's called med- medically. So that's when, you know, you look slim, but you are actually fat as fuck inside. And that's this is obviously more dangerous, where it's important you should really focus on this. Um, so when I think of slim and sedentary, then, I'm thinking of office workers... Uh, people basically sit down at a desk all day, really. I mean, what what do, what do you guys think of? Yeah, 100%. Uh, then, then the people that get out of bed, get washed and dressed, go to an office, well, take transport to an office, sit in an office, stand up, go home, sit on the co- uh, sofa and just fucking smash dirty food. Don't do fuck all. But because they look skinny, they think they're okay, you know? And that's, that's the fucking worst kind. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because you look at yourself and you think, if society's telling you, oh, you're skinny, you must be fucking super healthy, you're fine, you've got nothing to worry about. But you could smoke loads, you could drink loads, you could eat loads of shit as well. But, you know, just because you eat loads of shit, you might not be eating enough of that shit to give you into a, a severe calorie surplus that you're going to get really fat. So that's why you're staying slim. But internally, I said, you are just rotting away. I feel sometimes there's too much information and too much depth with information are for people that you can you can kind of lose like a, a just a standard baseline of what's healthy what's not and with the internet there's so much contradiction on what's what's okay what's not i was reading fucking stuff on here and it was like no fat's bad if you're overweight you're going to kill the economy 
But then it was like on another paper, it's like, no, 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 no. Fat people are fine. You know, we, we're good. It's you skinny people. So it, it's half of done a half of one and the other and all this shit. I mean, that's actually a really good point to bring up. And that is that there is a serious amount of conflict and information out there. I mean, we're privileged in the sense that we live in a digital age where information is easily accessible at our fingertips. However, this is why I, I don't like to tell people, oh, look, just Google it. Because if you Google it, you're going to get about five fucking conflicting pieces of information. And this is why I, you know, I, I know everyone takes the piss. I'm the nerd of the podcast. But this is why I recommend to people to read scientific journals and learn how to translate them as well. But here's the thing. I've got a bit of a secret to tell you guys. And once again, this is why it's so difficult to differentiate the truth, you know, and fact and fiction. And that is, so I was banning out all these stats to you earlier about sumo wrestlers being relatively, you know, healthy. And 15,000 people in America, you know, 25% were, you know, considered normal, had, uh, you know, had various metabolic uh, illnesses, etc. However, both those studies have extra little tidbits in there that I should have mentioned. So with the sumo wrestler one, I said that 96 wrestlers, only five are diabetic, right? So that seems like a pretty low number. But once again, this is where you have to learn how to decipher the information. Because actually, when you consider the rest of J the Japanese population, it still shows a big correlation between weight gain and, you know, leading to metabolic diseases such as diabetes. So, for example, this study that I mentioned earlier, it was done in the 70s, right? So around the 70s, the control group of the regular Japanese population who were between the age of 20 and 29 years... Between 0.6% and 0.8% were diabetic compared to, you know, the 5 out of 96%, which is actually 6.4%. Oh, so that's interesting. So what you're saying is that the actual population in that in that country is, is quite they're quite low on diabetes anyway. Yeah. So, so I got it, my, my math mixed picture. up then. I forgot. This is actually from a separate sumo wrestler study where it took 557 oh, wow. sumo wrestlers okay, and 6.4% yeah. of those were found to be diabetic. Yet the Japanese, uh, the regular Japanese population, they were only 0.8 to 0.6% diabetic. So even though the number isn't as big as we thought it would be amongst diabetics, amongst sumo wrestlers because of their size, it still shows that it's a trend. It still shows that they're more prevalent to become diabetic because of their size. And on top of that um, cohort study that I mentioned earlier as well, this is another major issue. It's so I was saying, oh, 25% were deemed to be you know, normal BMI was seen to be metabolically healthy. But here's a problem as well. There's actually, there's no proper definition of what classes as being metabolically healthy. Depending what kind of governing body you ask, different ones will tell you what you need to have as a criteria to be uh, metabolically healthy or metabolically unhealthy. So you might go to, you know, the World Health Organization. They might say, oh, well, you've got this, this and this but you haven't got this problem. You haven't got high blood pressure or something else. So, you know, you, you're, you, you, your class is metabolically um, healthy. Then you might go to some random diabe uh, diabetes federation and they might say something completely different because their criteria is different. So, you know, translating the, the actual science is very, very, very awkward. It's a to fucking say absolute nightmare, isn't it? I mean, fuck knows what people are listening over thinking because this is absolute chaos, isn't it? Yeah. So you see, it's conflicting, but we do see a trend. We do see a trend that, you know, being super obese, even if you are physically active, 
you are putting yourself more at risk to coming down with metabolic syndrome. But for me, I can only see one benefit of being a fucking huge fat mess, and that is you are gonna you are gonna have denser bones. You know, you look at all weightlifters, strength strength people, they lift heavy weight creates denser bones well, weight know? moves weight doesn't it i mean weight moves basic. weight and that's yeah. why a lot of heavier people when they drop the weight they can still shift that big weight because their bodies can they're used to it and they they, they they've had it there you know like us skinny people we're like ah 80 kilos and creaming in guess what bill i'm gonna have to disagree with you again oh, i love oh, it yeah, yeah okay, another disagreement i'm glad that we're you know it, it we're in different parts of the country because you'll be hammering my head in about now. <laughs> but yeah, um, weight moves weight is a term that gets thrown around quite a bit, especially amongst the powerlifting community. But I'd actually disagree with that. Um, more more body weight does not necessarily equal to being stronger, and I'll tell you why. At least when it comes to body fat, we got to consider that fat isn't a contractile tissue. So muscle is. muscle Muscle moves... Muscle moves weight because muscle is contractile, but fat isn't. I'm not saying that being, you know, having having more weight on your bones won't help because it will, but just in different ways. I just don't, I don't agree with the reason that because you're bigger, you're naturally going to be stronger because it, you know, makes you more powerful. But being bigger usually means you're constantly in like a calorie surplus, which means that you're going to be more energetic. Um, on top of that. There's another reason why some powerlifters do tend to put on a bit of extra cushion, and that's to do with. Oh, see, I don't. I, I like powerlifting. Go for it. Nah, I go for it. Fuck it. <laughs> I, I do God. like powerlifting. Fuck I don't, you, powerlifters. I don't want to feel like I'm shit on the powerlifting community, but let's be honest. The whole point of powerlifting. Well, I don't want to say the whole point, but it's obviously a massive advantage if you're at a point where you can have like a shorter range of motion and still get away with the lift. So what like I mean you're by saying, have a big piss tank. Don't yes, have yeah, I know. Like I know where it's yes. going. I know. Going. <laughs> yeah, it's listen. It is true. So for is this down- just is this is this is this hundred percent opinion right now? Yeah, my opinion. <laughs> However, it's also secondary opinions that I've heard from other powerlifters. So you know, I've gone from being you know Bill Nye the science guy to Tom the anecdotal guy now, which is a bit <laughs> shit. And we know that you know anecdotes are the lowest form of evidence, but. Evidence is still evidence, no matter how low it is. Oh, fucking hate the fact that I've just said that. Because if anyone else had said that, I'd be tearing them an arsehole. It's, for listeners out there who don't quite understand what we mean by range of motion, with powerlifters, let's take the bench press, for example. The weight begins when it comes off the... when the barbell comes off the rack, and you complete the lift once it touches your stomach, and you get it back into the rack. So that's why you see powerlifters with those crazy arches, you know, where like a fucking The Exorcist. Yeah, it's crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, like a contortionist. All they've got to do is touch the bar to their chest. They're not bodybuilders. They don't care about getting the maximum amount of time under tension or range of motion. They just care about touching the bar to their chest and getting it into the rack. So if you're, you know, carrying a lot of uh, padding or <laughs> what do you even call it? Piss tanks. Yeah, yeah piss tanks. That's, yeah. A, that's a new one to me. So if you've got a fucking massive piss tank, you know... The bar hasn't got to go as far. And when you've got 200 kilos in your hands, you know, that's a good thing. You don't want to have to bring it all the way down to a shallow chest and get it all the way up because it's going to be an absolute killer. Whereas if you've got a massive gut and you've only got to move the bar two inches and that still classes as completing your lift, then fantastic. Technically, that's a, you know, that's 
that's a massive benefit, isn't it? So, okay, so boxing, Andy Ruiz. Nah, not a boxing fan, mate. I don't know what you're on about. Yeah, I know, yeah. Andy well, Ruiz. Andy Ruiz basically is the guy that he battered Anthony Joshua. And then he uh, came... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then he, there was a lot of controversy because he came back for a rematch and he put on a hell of a lot of weight. But as in just pure fat, not muscle mass, it was just fat. And then you could clearly see like a performance issue when they had their rematch. And it's because he just pretty much just let himself go. Um, he didn't condition to the weight gain, did well, he? Well, this is it. It was a completely different sport where you need more condition. It's not just about... Don't get me wrong, the heavier you are, the harder you are going to punch. But it's a bit more complex when it comes to boxing. You've got to be faster. You've got to be able to dodge. You've got to be able to have that cardiovascular output, that endurance. It's a big difference going in a ring, hopping around for three minutes, compared to doing, say, a squat that could be over in three seconds. So in that regard, it didn't help. What do we What do we think's better than lads? Um, we spoke more about fat but fit than slim and sedentary, for, I think for obvious reasons, but what I personally think I'd rather be a bit fat and fit in terms of mentally fitter, you know, cardiovascularly fitter, because just doing a bit of exercise a day, you're going to be more mentally fit. You're going to reduce your chance of getting... Um, cardiovascular diseases if we go into think of america if we go if we go to america now you, for one it's shown that you're gonna have lower medical costs because you're active if you're active just for a little bit every day you can have lower medical costs that's a that's a flat thing for countries that actually have to pay for their, their health service diabetes arthritis um this is an interesting one i think it's gonna be back pain so exercise is shown to help with obviously back pain oh but well 100 if you're if, if you're fat but fit so you're exercising but you're fat isn't fat gonna contradict that? Because if you if you've got more weight on the on the timber on your bone, sorry, isn't that gonna f- make your back pain worse? Well, no, because if you if you you imagine that all of them guys, I'm I'm stood up showing the the arch now, but it's that, isn't it? They're there and they're yeah. big piss tanks out front and their backs overarched, and that's what's causing it. So if you get that exercise to pull that in, surely that's gonna offset yeah, I'm the load. If they're if they're still fat, so if they if if they're already still fat. But we're saying, we're yeah, but saying that doing but, exercise is going to create. But then Go Tom on. can even, as a as a professional PT on this, he he's not going to get a, a morbidly obese guy. He's not going to be getting him to do. He's only going to get him to do a certain thing to help him lose weight in in the safest possible way. You know. So when it comes to like, oh, I've got back pain. That that's going to be something that he's going to is massively going to change his PT schedule. If not, he's going to design his whole PT schedule around that pain. Am I right in saying that, Tom? See, it's a it's a bit of a tough one. I mean, just quickly going back a little bit. So what you just demonstrated on the old webcam there, uh, shout us to the old J Lo pose. That's <laughs> uh, known as a lumbar lordosis, and that's where basically you look like a human centaur. It's where you stick your ass out, but your stomach caves outwards. So it's kind of like the opposite of having a hunchback. It's where your lower back caves in instead. Um, in regards to that. There's been a bit of a paradigm shift on whether that does cause actual back pain. Um, it's like a, it's currently being challenged, but it's a complicated one. This is one of those points where we need to say either more research needs to happen, or admit that we just don't know I which think, one's getting more research. That's why I mentioned it because the the studies I was looking at saying yeah, exercise is going to help with your back pain. But then there's also yeah. saying if you're overweight and obese, it's going to make your back pain worse. So what you, if you can, and that's you can an, be fat and, see, that's an interesting, and have no back pain? That's an interesting one as well. So have you guys ever heard of the term nocebo? It's basically the complete opposite of a placebo. A placebo is something that will... It usually has like a positive effect, doesn't it? It's like just because you're mentally believing something, you believe it will work. If you take a, you know, 
a pill that actually it's it just doesn't it doesn't do anything but the doctor tells you it's going to cure your back pain even though it's not actually got any medical properties you've you're now mentally prepared that this this pill is going to cure your back pain isn't it so naturally if you take it you're going to think oh my back pain's cured now a nocebo does the opposite if you believe something's going to be bad for you it can cause worse outcomes so what you just said there bill is quite interesting because we're told that exercise can you know it, it, it can lower our pain threshold for the lower back, right? It can prevent back pain. Well, maybe not prevent back pain, but it can help us cope with it. But at the same time, we've then got research saying, oh, but if you're obese and possibly exercising whilst obese, it's going to make it worse. So what's that going to do? That's a nocebo right there. You're going to prevent people from exercising because, some, well, you're going to prevent obese people from exercising because you've now told them that their back's going to hurt if they go out and exercise. So there, straight away, it's, it's, it's a bit of a barrier it's a bit of a barrier that it prevents obese people from picking up these healthy habits such as exercise. It's a bit of an, it's a bit of an awkward one. Do you see what I mean? It's because we, it's such a complicated topic, the whole it thing. Is, it's so complicated, mate. But at the same time, if you are fat, go out and exercise. Go out and exercise. So we've just basically said you can still be, you can be mentally fit by exercising if you're fat, and you are, you're gonna, and you are gonna have a chance of lowering your visceral levels of fat, which is gonna make sure that you're lowering your chance of cardiovascular diseases, chance of that diabetes. Um, arthritis for one if you are uh, a non-UK listener then you could lower your medical costs because obviously once again visceral fats can be lower but I think what you're trying to say is don't be an absolute fucking unit as in like savagely obese we all hear 80% is in the kitchen 20% is exercise guys if you're looking to lose loads of fat if you are massively obese don't be thinking I'm going to start smashing 10k's and 5k's start where the problem is mostly going to lie. And I'll, yes, there are medical terms why people are obese, but that doesn't mean that 90% or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that it's just an excuse to say, oh, I'm medically fat. Ah. No, stop smashing the Snickers and getting up at 10, 11 o'clock at night and smashing a bowl of chocolate shreddies and then going lying on it. Yes, exercise is good, but look at your nutrition. I, I personally find that that's going to be the problem because we've got, we've got so much food that's easily available and it's so bad for you that we'll just cram it in our faces so what i'm going to say to that andy is opposite of that mate so you're you're saying oh, that's great so what if someone is slim they're doing the 80 percent of the kitchen they're absolutely smashing that doing a great job eating all the right foods but they're doing absolutely zero exercise what are you saying to them because what we've just said there is that internally they're not doing any exercise so they're at higher risk of these other diseases but their diet's great so what do you what, what would you say well, if their diet's great then that's when you're going to look at an, an, another means yeah so you're exercising stuff like that you know everything that we do goes hand in what hand if they're not they, what, if they're, what if they're not though what what if they're not exercising that's what i'm saying so you're saying that uh the fat guy he's he needs to stop smashing all these snickers if even if he goes as a 5k that's not important because he's smashing the snickers but what if the slim guy is eating perfect diet but doing no exercise what what is better what a slim guy, no exercise. I would say, I would, I it's, pick your poison. Uh, it's, sub, it's subjective, isn't it? You know, yeah, I would, I would never say. I would never, it. It's a tricky, it's a tricky one. I would never say to a slim guy, "You're sound. Don't exercise." You, you I, I, either one of them is a bad option. You've got to find balance. You know, it's, it's that that slim guy that's eating okay and not exercising. That might be okay, depending what he does. You know, he might walk to work thirty minutes. And there, and he's walking there and back, but yet he's no doing not actual like physical activity, what we would class, but he's doing enough to keep himself relatively healthy. If you had to pick one, though, Andy, <laughs> uh, personally, I would Fat go fit, slimmer sanitary. 
Uh, me, I'd go f- fat fit because you can lose weight and everybody on Instagram will love your story and say you're a fucking hero. Tom, did you understand what I was saying there, mate, to Andy about the, t- the two different types? What, what, yeah. what would your opinion on that be? Um, he said about the balance, but if you had to pick one. It's one of those things, it's, it's one of those things isn't it, where it's pick your poison sometimes. It's a catch-22 situation. Um, but the thing is, we could never unwrap this in a single podcast because it is an ex- extremely complex matter. As I said, you cannot judge a book by its cover. We've been led to believe by you know society in general, via stigma, etc., that thinner is always better. But weight doesn't always correlate directly to health. You know, there is a link. There is a link. I cannot deny the science or the evidence behind that. You no know, evidence does show that if you are obese. You are more inclined to come down with metabolic uh, syndrome, so that's diabetes. You know, high blood pressure, tri- you know, high in triglycerides, etc., etc. We cannot deny that. But at the same time, I could be thin, but I could be sedentary. I could have low bone density, makes me more prone to you know breaks, and especially as we get older as well. Because as you actually, here's the thing: metabolic syndrome. It actually your risk of it increases with age as well, even despite despite if you're obese. So I could be thin, but every year I'm increasing my, my risk of it. And at the same time, because I'm sedentary, I'm not I'm not exercising. So any fat I do gain can become visceral. I'm also smoking heavily. I'm a heavy drinker as well, but I'm thin. So I should be healthy, right? I'm thin, so I should be healthy, but that's not the case because there's other lifestyle choices that we have to take into consideration here. Not just my mental health either because mental health plays a big part of it. Um, Bill, we we always hear you fucking chatting both sides of the fence. What's your answer? I'll give you an answer here, mate. I would rather be fat but fit. Simply, simply, simply because, yeah, people want, people will look at you and they'll have their own little opinions like, oh, he's fat, he's not fit or whatever. But you know, you know, How you know, you're doing though, exercise. How, How okay. fat when are I'm, we when talking? I'm saying fat, I'm not talking morbidly obese where you can't whoa, up and whoa, wipe why, your own ass. You said earlier. Why you do? Trigger warning, please. Okay, so trigger warning. Trigger warning. You know what I mean. So you're saying so it's got to be an acceptable amount of fat. What? No, no. I'm saying you've got a bit of a piss tat. You got. You can still. So you can still see your toes. Also, they've seen he's in the army, mate. (laughs) It's all kicking off now. (laughs) But the reason I say that for is because I'd rather be fat and active. We'll say active because you you know not a non-smoker doesn't drink active. Just it's a bit fat. You're you're fat because you eat too much. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But there's. The benefits of being active, you know, they're clear and they're plentiful. If you look at the, the benefits of being active and getting out and doing sort of any sort of exercise, the benefits are there. They're, they're obvious, you know. Well, of course, yeah. So any ex- any, I'd rather any have a exercise. Bit of, I'd rather piss. Exactly. I'd rather any bit of piss tank. better than no exercise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if you're if you're skinny as fuck, let's say you're skinny fat, it's not good for you at all. There's, there's no evidence saying, oh, it's really good for you that because well, there isn't. Yeah, you've got yeah, you're a bit skinny. You might be healthy on the weight side, but in reality, you're not reaping those benefits of exercising. To look at someone that's skinny, we 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 assume that yeah, sound they're 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 skinny, they must be fine. But there's no there's no indication there unless you start like creaming in. There's no actual indication. You could go your whole life doing without nothing realizing. and be fine, yeah, and we like you say without realizing. But the with being fat, there is an you but are you would fat, though, Andy. And you would realize a- you would you would realize sooner because them people who are doing nothing their whole life, their risks of them cardiovascular diseases, those diet, it's going to go, it's going to skyrocket. So eventually, it's going to catch up with them and they're going to get ill. Whereas these fat guys who are doing a bit of exercise won't get that. We all know there, there's got to be people in our family, you know, that that go through 
pretty much doing nothing. You know, like you say, like walking to the shop, shit like that, day-to-day stuff. And that is just enough to keep them ticking over, you know? And they get to 70 when all the problems start happening or 60. And then they just turn around and go, ah, it's a part of being old, that. And we just sort of just push it to the side and we don't think, what? well, why have I got these problems now? Maybe 30 years ago, actually, I was eating like shit and I wasn't doing anything. We all know that if you squat, if you squat for life, you're not going to have no problems. You know, we know all these things. Exercising, it's all good for you, even into the later on years of your life. But if you go through life without any of that, like exercise isn't your thing at all. There are people in this world, but you can get away with, you know what I mean? Luck favours the brave. So if you want to be brave and not fucking do anything, you might get away with it. I wouldn't it. recommend it. No, 100% not. Go out and exercise. Shit, make yourself better. But what I'm saying is there's a, there's a visual aid to being fat. There is a constant reminder and there's a constant reminder of this, the society we live in to turn around and go, you are fat, lose weight. As much as that would upset people, I'd, I'd actually agree with that. Uh, I know I know it could be hard to hear. Some might even say it's stigmatising, but I, I would agree with that. It's when you're, when you're at a certain level, when, when we say fat, I, I mean it in the context of like obese, like seriously obese. You can, there's a physical, there's a combat indicator there just by looking in the mirror. Whereas if you're thin and you've got health issues, sadly, you won't know until, you won't know until you know, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when you know, yeah. it's pretty late on. Yeah. Let's be honest though, Tom. Normally these people who are um, a, like obese, as you're saying, they're going to have high amounts of visceral fat as well as subcutaneous fat because they've got to that point where they are eating so much. Yeah. They, they go together, don't they? But we've then got that amount of subcutaneous fat that it's, a, as I said, it's a visual indicator. Whereas with a, a skinny fat person, so with skin, it's going back to skinny fat, it's one of those things where if you've got your clothes on, it might not look as obvious as, say, someone that's obese. So you could still look at them, and by society standards, you could say, well, they look, they look all right to me. But actually, under the clothes... Mm, visceral fat, possibly, depending on their lifestyle choices. And we're and we're very we're we're a we're a society where it's very easy to just blame it on the easiest thing, isn't it? Someone's got a problem with their gut, you're gonna turn around and go, "Ah, oh, I just that's fucking piss tank, innit? You know, we're automatically doing it us free as well. Piss tank, piss tank, piss tank. But you never know. He might not drink enough to actually get a piss tank, but there might be an underlying problem that he's caused by I don't know smearing peanut butter on fucking pizza slamming it in at six o'clock in the morning you know what's wrong with that <laughs> <laughs> well i was just f- giving you my breakfast that's that's a friday night for me <laughs> sake. but i mean it's one of those things where you know even with fat there, there are t- going away from the sports side of things you know f- fat is not a bad thing it does have its benefits but the poison is in the dosage isn't it it depends on how much fat there actually is fat does have its benefits you know it, it it's actually a protective layer it insulates us you know, it, fat, you know, regulates our appetite at the end of the day. It can help us. It can actually prevent us from uh, feeling hungry all the time. If we drop to s- super low body fat levels, look at stage competitors that step on stage and the average public would go, oh, my God, look at those muscles. Look at that six pack. He must be fucking healthy. But I guarantee you he's fucking starving because he's got such low body fat levels that he's not producing enough leptin, which is, you know, known as the hunger hormone. It is a dog shit life to leave. Uh, sorry, it's a dog shit life to live being under, you know, five <laughs> percent body fat. So lads, to wrap to wrap it up then, I jump in if you disagree with me. I think the message we're trying to send out there is even if you're skinny, even if you're fat, get out there and exercise. 
get out and do some exercise. I think that's that's crucial. The, the benefits are there. They're clear. They're plentiful. 100%. So if you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, oh, I look all right there. I've got my little skinny abs. You know, oh, I feel great. But you might not be. So just get, if you're not doing exercise, even if you look good, get out and do it. If you're a bit fat, exercise, get out and do it. You're going to get the benefits. Even if you don't look skinny straight away and you don't think you're looking good after all your exercise, you are actually doing a massive service to your mental and physical health. Yeah, um, with that as well, be careful though, guys, because at this at, in this period, this pandemic, okay, we're not moving as much. We're not we're not going out anywhere. So the ten thousand steps, like most people now, are like oh, I've got to get my steps in, got to get my steps in. But most people would get their steps in during their working day. Most people would get their steps going to work, going to the shop for lunch, going to the toilet. If you're sat in your house all day. Okay, you're actually doing less. You're hitting your targets, but most people would then do some sort of high intensity, low intensity, whatever. They would do the extra in a normal day to day. Remember, you're moving less. Okay, so take that into consideration, guys. 10,000 steps is great, but if you were doing more than that now, uh, before, take that into consideration because I know, no and behold, and I, I vouch for myself we're all going to be eating more in this period, you know? There's only so much you can do around a house and it's going to get a little bit tedious, a little bit boring and we're going to start smashing a little bit more food than you normally would, okay? Tom, it looks like you do not agree with me there, do you? No, no, no. It's... Tom's itching to say something there. Go on. Go on, Tom. Finish no, us no, off, I... mate. Come on. We're coming I, up to I... the end now. Go on. I, I do agree. It's just, it's a complicated situation because it's just such a shit, a shit situation the world's currently in. And, you know, people are finding comfort where they can. If that's in food, that's in food. I'm not going to, you know, judge them based on their choices for what they go to for comfort. Um, the thing is, though, it's, it's really weird. So I don't think it's just me. It might even be that I'm only realising it now because of the situation we find ourselves in. But I've actually seen more people out and about moving, running, walking, biking. I, I, I walked through the park today and there was people throwing a fucking frisbee, which is not something you really see in London, you know, it's it's weird. It's almost like since we got given the order that we were allowed to go out for exercise, I've seen people just enjoying time with their families, etc. When yeah. things go back to normal, we might even see like a bit of a drop in activity. It's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I th- I personally feel that because the government said you get an hour, we you know what I mean, hour of exercise a day. Everyone's like, well, I'll fucking show him. If I'm only allowed out for an hour, I'm gonna be out for an hour. <laughs> Yeah, you know? but whatever works works. But just I, for me, it's the the volume that you do. Like if you're going out for an hour at a slow, steady pace, but then actually your your office work or your job, you'd be walking for an hour and twenty a day. You know, all I'm saying yeah. is look at what you used to do before the pandemic to look at what you're doing now. Don't think just because you're going out for an hour for a walk or for a jog for thirty minutes, don't look at that and think that is my activity. Look at all the things you did before. Hmm. So this is where socioeconomic factors come into play. And we might actually find that this epidemic has given people a reason to exercise, whereas they might not have been able to before. So, for example, you know, the the, the single mums that used to not finish their shifts at work. Office workers, until, mate. Just yeah. to jump in there. But I think we've got to work because we're saying office workers normally the biggest problem with skinny fat. They, they Most of them can't work now. Most office yeah. workers are at home furloughed. So they are probably... Hopefully, anyway, getting on exercise. And if maybe you, that's getting a switch in the yeah, now to get on exercise. Precisely. On top of that, Bill, if you think about, as I was saying, like single mums who usually didn't used to finish work until the evening, or even the office workers that didn't used to finish work until late, and they might live in areas that are a bit shady. So, like, okay, well, I have the evening free to myself, but who really wants to go for a jog around, you know, this rough, rough as arseholes area, etc.? 
in the evening. But now you've got the daytime available to you. You know, you haven't got to worry about having to go and pick the kids up from school. You can just take them out for a walk. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? And when things go back to normal for a lot of people, I think it's going to actually prevent them from getting their exercise. It's it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, because they're doing more because they can because they're sat at home. Even the hot office workers that are working from home now, you're getting, well, actually, I'll just cut out for a half hour. I'll go for a jog. It's 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 perfect in that. What, what we're hoping to see is people stick with what they're doing, you know? I know there's a lot of talk about, actually, if you can work from home from now on, well, why not work from home, at, like, for the foreseeable future, you know? And I hope people can keep exercising and keep doing what they're doing. Well, the benefits there, aren't they? They're clear. I said they're clear and plentiful, so there's... Get out and exercise is what we're saying. Now, if we look at if you've got a big pot, yeah, and and you've got smoking, that fills it up a bit. Drinking, that fills it up a bit. You know, you're eating like shit, that fills it up a bit. No exercise, it fills it up even more. That's a really big pot that we've got to carry around with us, you know, and that's going to be hard on our body. Taking one of them things out, no exercise, you start doing exercise, that that lightens our load and the benefits that we we know. For me... Little and often is better than not at all. Don't feel that you're doing too much. I see a lot of people these days turn around and go, right, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to go out and do 10 miles a day. Too much too quick has an adverse effect. Is it adverse effect? Am I yeah. saying that right? You, yeah, yeah. you will burn out. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll burn out. You Your body's not out. used to it, you know? So little and often, little changes, little, small little changes make the biggest, uh, biggest impact later on in life. Yeah. It's about setting a trend at the end of the day, isn't it? You want to build up habits. I think that's a really good point to finish on there, Andy, uh, with the, the whole pot story. Really good. Uh, as usual, guys, if you've got this far, thanks for listening. Hope we've answered your questions about what we think anyway is better, fat or fit or slim and sedentary, but it's a, it's a comp- complicated one. If you want to get more information on it, as usual, just ask Tom. Uh, just <laughs> me and Andy. We will be absolutely no help. Andy will tell you. I, got, I ain't got a fucking clue. I it, yeah. come speak to me. I will ask Tom. <laughs> you if you if you start talking to me, you will never get rid of me. So be warned. I'm like a Jehovah's Witness. If you invite me in, you ain't fucking getting rid of me, mate. <laughs> but no, our social media is in the um, description of the podcast, so you can get in contact with us if you want any more questions. It's a very complicated topic. We've tried to cover it kind of the best we can, but it, it is a very difficult difficult topic key is get out and exercise uh next week guys we're doing something a little bit different we're talking about a product okay. and that product is, is the oyo i can't even pronounce it oyo <laughs> nova gym it's basically an all-in-one gym system that can fit into your backpack it's fitness like a fucking crossbow but i tell you what it's the most <laughs> funded product on kick in kickstart history in the fitness industry it's raised 2.5 million so far i think Okay, so if we can uh, give a shout out to whoever this company is, if they'd like to send each one of us a crossbow, uh, a crossbow, crossbow, yeah, we will we will try out for a week, and what we'll do is we'll do Snapchats and Instagram filters of uh, how good we look after a week. Regardless of this or not, we are going to do an episode all about that product and talk. We're going to kind of go into what we think about it and if we think there's better alternatives and, and stuff. But I don't want to get into it too much because we'll do that next week. Uh, any closing points, lads, before we before we close down? Is it better to be fat and thin? No. Is it good, Ron? You have to re-edit it out, mate. Is it better to be fat but fit or thin and sedentary? The bottom line is, it depends. <laughs> That's like your fucking slogan, isn't it, Tom? It, it depends. depends. It depends. Fuck me. What is life, Jesus? Anyway, lads, it's been a pleasure as always. Stay safe, gentlemen. Stay safe. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you did enjoy the podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to make sure you don't miss out on the next. Next week, we're mixing up a little bit and we're tackling an exciting product. 
the Oyo Nova Gym, or as Tom describes it, a fucking crossbow. We're going to get right into the nitty gritty of it, and knowing us, probably take the piss a little bit. So we'll see you next week, same time, same place, we find out what on earth is the Oyo Nova Gym. See you soon.